Hey, Joseph. Guess what? We must be doing something right, or the big wigs in the west wing of our building here in beautiful downtown Denver, Colorado, are just too busy with other projects to care about what we're doing here on the second floor. But look at this. We've made it to double digits. Double digits since podcast number 10. Ow, ow. <laughs> All right, enter sound effects here. Uh, I I am Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber. I am the overnight producer here at Denver 7, Joseph Peters. You can find both of us on Twitter, by the way. I'm Joseph Denver 7. He's Denver 7 traffic. How did they let this happen? That is two and a half months worth of podcast, Jason. It really is. And I somehow I've also slipped through the it, – it went it, – it got paid – to host, you know, because we have SoundCloud. Our, our podcast is hosted on SoundCloud. Thank you, SoundCloud. Yes, and uh, so somehow that bill got paid. I don't know how. The, I, I saw I saw the invoice deal that I had to fill out little paperwork. They and... are joining the movement, man. <laughs> That's driving right. you crazy. <laughs> Thank you, Papa Scripps. Uh, okay, so it is <laughs> the Driving You Crazy podcast where we talk about transportation issues and traffic issues and all kinds of things uh, related with traffic and transportation, as I just said, and now I just doubled myself. Uh, so winter is in full bloom here in Colorado. It is just a mess in our mountains. We've had feet and feet and feet of snow. We've had avalanche. We've had the I-70 drive closed down. I heard so many people this week actually late for flights because they've closed the highway so many times that they can't make it to the airport. Uh, from the mountains. Uh, so it's, it's not just people because people have to drive. So people think they, they fly into Denver and then you have to drive a couple hours up to Vail or wherever you want to go up there. So, like, if you're going to Breckenridge or whatever. Right. Well, anyway, so they have these uh, vans, these, uh, these like, commuter vans that they'll use, like, from the airport. And those guys are all stuck. And, and if you rent a car, you're stuck. And Yep. And believe it or not, 43 degrees today. Projected high of 55, I believe, later yeah. on this week. Well, so, here in Denver. So that's weird. That's what I'm saying. Colorado, I had a, I had a, I forgot what state I lived in moment over the weekend because I was walking outside in a sweatshirt. Meanwhile, there's like melting piles of snow everywhere and it's 55 degrees outside. It's beautiful. It, it Can't is, imagine living anywhere else. Honestly, it is the strangest weather. You, you, people think we're buried in feet of snow from October through April in Denver, but we're really not. It, it's like that up in Breckenridge or Vail or whatever, but not here. Right. Well, and I'm going to be like, hey, y'all come out and move out here. It's a great place to live. And the people who listen to our podcast are probably like, keep the transplants away. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, winter is still in full swing here. And, you know, just take a guess. Where we as Colorado ranks in terms of states with the worst winter. I mean, we got to be top five. 47. Yep. No. Uh, Thrillist ranks the states, and they say even though this seems like an odd placement, number 47 for a state that clearly experiences some serious snowfall, the snowfall in Colorado is cause for celebration, they say. Have you ever been in Colorado in wintertime? The sun is shining. The winter sports are world class. And if people aren't legally high, then they're getting into some fantastic beer. That is from Thrillist. Uh, Colorado has uh, basically solved winter is what they say. You know, I I think I actually agree with the placement on this list because I'm from New England. I would not put any of the New England states in that same category. Colorado, as Thrillist put it, celebrates winter. They don't dread it. Yes, we do celebrate winter, even though in the mountains it's been horrible, as we just mentioned. Uh, California, Arizona, and Hawaii come in after Colorado. Well, that seems logical. Minnesota, Michigan, Alaska, North Dakota, and Maine were in the top five in that order. I wonder why South Dakota wasn't in there as well. So it's better to be in Colorado than Florida in the winter. I agree. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know after I'm on assignment. I will be on assignment in Florida here in 
very soon. That's why I'll be taking a, uh, a week off on the podcast because I will be on assignment, as they say. The best assignment he's ever got. Uh, the, in the age of technology doing everything for you, the new Snap Scan speed bumps will scan your tires as you drive over them and then tell you when your tires are bald. It's a company in Finland where technology... Uh, you know, the cutting edge, uh, that developed the smart speed bump, and they installed them around Finland already. What happens is you drive over them. The smart speed bumps then uh, are there with the camera that records your license plate. You get a report about your tire condition, and the company says they're prepared to take this global next year. So this isn't something that you'd see on a road, right? This is something you'd see at your mechanic where you drive over the speed bump. Maybe. I, 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 yeah, I suppose so. Or somewhere yeah. like in a d- designated area. Right. Yeah. Still, not a bad uh, hmm. Cool technology. And in a follow-up story that we've been following for a while, CDOT announced plans late last week to accelerate the environmental and planning process for improvement on I-25 from 470 all the way down to Colorado Springs, right? Now, this is one of those required things that's, that the DOTs around the country have to do before they can construct a road. Uh, we're, we're talking about the area south of Denver where the two Colorado State troopers were killed in the past year or so. Now, CDOT says by accelerating that environmental planning on I-25, CDOT will have a plan ready for construction by the summer of 2019. That's two, it's, it's the beginning of 2017, so we're talking two and a half years from now, with the project fully constructed in five years after that. But here's the kicker. If funding is identified for construction. Really? Well, we're, we're taping this on a Wednesday. State of the state is tomorrow. John Hickenlooper could make some big announcements about transportation in this state tomorrow. It will so. be very interesting to see what they say. And I, I have a feeling they will say a lot about transportation and transportation funding. And we'll see how that plays out in the legislature. My guess is that Hick bites off a little more than he can chew, but there's a chance that he bites off a lot more than he can chew. We're talking billions of dollars in funding that he has no idea how he's going to get it. Right. And you're probably looking at a higher gas tax. Our gas tax is, what, 22 cents. It's been that way since 93. So they're probably going to look at raising that, raising other fees. That's the thing. In the era of nobody wants taxes and with our Taxpayer Bill of Rights um, law here in Colorado... Uh, we're probably looking at fees. That's the next best thing that they that they that they like to do is go with fees. So the executive director of CDOT says they decided this project can't wait. I understand that he was encouraged to decide the project can't wait. Now, in the official press release, he added that they now need some help to come up with the three hundred to four hundred million dollars to build that additional lane each direction on I twenty five. That that's some that's not some chump change there. No. How was CDOT able to pull this off, uh, this monumental task, you ask? Well, they are planning on using funds from the C-470 Express Lanes project. The Express Lanes are those told lanes that you can use, right? Right. Uh, we've talked about that last uh, in the last episode. Well, CDOT says their loans to build 470 have been finalized in the last couple of weeks, and it has become clear to them that fewer of those funds are necessary to be used on the project. So they were just able to scrape... $15 million from there and use it to pay for this South I-25 environmental and pre-construction work. That, that 470 money, along with the $6 million that was already allocated for the study, that's what they're using to prepare for the construction project should construction funds become available. What, what do you bet that they're going to make the additional lane down there in I-25 and express lane? What do you think the odds on that are? That would be a monumental mistake if they did that. My spidey senses are tingling right now. 
I have a bad feeling about this one. It feels like CDOT really is counting on diverting toll revenue from one project to pay for another project. And I think this is a bit of a slippery slope. Because I thought, as, you know, as we talked last time, the toll revenue was to help pay for the lane that was constructed, not other lanes to be constructed around the state in the future. And, and that the toll rates were set at a price point to keep the lanes free and clear of traffic, not to generate revenue. So does this mean that CDOT can start tolling other roads to collect money if the gas tax by the legislature isn't increased or if the state legislatures just do nothing to increase or add money to the CDOT budget? So to be clear, the idea of the toll money was that they would pay off these loans quicker or that they would just pay them off at a regular pace, make their minimum payments every month, and then just use whatever excess and now we're reallocating. So, so CDOT goes out and gets a loan to build a lane, right. okay, to expand a lane. And then they use the toll money to repay those loans so they're able to build these lanes sooner than if they waited till the funding had come in. Right. So that is the idea here. So why can you then just all of a sudden take money from one spot and divert it to another when it's supposed to go to pay for that one spot? Right. It sounds to me like when you take out a credit card and you and you put a bunch of charges on, you're like, well, I'm going to pay these off before I do anything else. And then all of a sudden you're taking out a second credit card to pay for something else. And you're using the money that you're supposed to be paying the first credit card with and to putting it on the second credit card. Yes. Really, they're, they're planning on future revenues that, that maybe won't come through because yep. they can't tell how many drivers are going to be in that uh, using C-470, right? We made this exact point last week. Projections are frequently wrong. Exactly. So uh, you know, look, the top of my list here is RTD's Fast Tracks. So RTD figured when the, the Fast Tracks is a uh, the rail system around town where they wanted to expand the rail system. They asked the voters for a sales tax and they started collecting the revenue for the sales tax and then they started building when they got enough revenue to start building. However, because the because the economy had a downturn and so they weren't collecting the tax revenue so they had to start putting these projects off so that RTE figured they would collect all the sales tax money and they didn't because of the economy and so several of the lines were in jeopardy of actually not even happening or at least being delayed by 20 25 30 years until that money has come in and the economy rebounded. So since then, there have been some creative ideas from builders. They do these public-private partnership deals, right, to get some of these lines built. But look what the problems with the A line, the B line, now the G line is... Well, and they're not usually... I don't want to say they're not always written well, but what you end up with is leeches, where even if this private company goes out of business, you're still stuck making the payments to somebody over a course of 30 years because you mortgaged that much time signing the deal so you could get a break in the short term. Yeah, and, th- and that's part of these... That that plenary roads thing on Highway 36, where they're managing that lane, and now we have these other. It's anyway. So, really, the the, the A line even this morning was was going slowly, and and the crossing arm guards weren't working right. Well, I, and they're pay, I mean, think of the crossing guards who are out there. No matter what the temperature is, they have to be there so the A line can run. The the air quote partners that RTD selected and contracted with. They're supposed to provide the design, the construction, the financing, the operation, the maintenance of, of those projects. And, and and it seems to have worked up to this point where they could build the thing, but then running the thing is a whole completely different ball game. Yep. And what, what you can't see is that my, my tongue is firmly in my cheek as I say the A-line has been running smoothly. <laughs> Douglas County has chipped in, they say, 250 k to accelerate the pre-construction study because it's in their best interest to do so. Most of that widening would be in Douglas County. 
But that's like shipping in a quarter when the bar tab for all your drinks is $21. So that's not a whole lot. Uh, Colorado Springs government obviously supports this work, but didn't indicate in the story if they were also chipping in any money for the study cost. Well, I hope it gets done. That's that's the bottom line. I hope that, that I-25 is widened to three lanes all the way down to the Springs. I, I'm just a bit, a, a bit concerned that when they start telling us that they have no money, no money at all to build any projects, but after some creative financing, we have some money. Look at that. Amazing. Yep. It might be all uh, on the up and up. Look, I, I, w- I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but it just doesn't feel that way. Here's what I really don't want. I don't want an express lane down there because that will defeat the purpose of building the additional lane to, quote, improve the traffic flow because they want to keep that open lane. Well, then they should build five lanes and make one of them an express lane and then have two other free general purpose lanes, right? Preach on. <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting all worked up again, Joseph. Seems like I need to find some stories that keep my blood pressure a little bit lower. We need to talk about sippy cups of wine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's take a break at this point. When we come back from these fantastic promotional sound bites from some of our other Denver 7 morning news personalities, uh, we'll talk about why autonomous cars will be bad for organ donor recipients. That's an odd story. That and much, 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 much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. If it's driving you crazy, it is driving us crazy. The mailbag is next on the Driving You Crazy podcast. Everybody, Eric Lufer with Denver 7. You better be watching our show every morning because we're the best, and I'm on it. So uh, start watching. If you haven't watched, you're missing a great uh, team of people and some great joking and laughing uh, and uh, some fun. Yeah, you're missing some really fun exchanges uh, between a lot of the people on the show. Uh, they have a lot of fun. We all have a lot of fun. And, uh, and, and if you're not watching, you're missing all of it. Nicole Brady, only on Denver 7. The craziest thing that happens on a morning show is unfortunately not during the morning show. It's typically during the commercial breaks. There's a lot that goes on. We wake up really early in the morning, and so we're always a little bit tired, a little bit, well, off our rocker at times. So... Unfortunately, you don't get to see it. We see it. Lisa Hidalgo, only on Denver 7. I'm Mitch Geldiker, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. I'm Jason Luber with overnight producer Joseph Peters. That's Peters with an S, not a Z, right? You haven't gone funky on us, have you? That's correct, but I might have to change it to Brady with the five rings after this year's Super Bowl. Oh, stop it. Stop it right now. That ends this edition of the... (laughs) (laughs) We will not have any of those discussions. Yeah, that's fine. That's fair. Especially with the Bronx. Anyway, stop yep. it. Uh, all right, so listen to this headline. Self-driving cars could cause a major organ shortage as fewer vehicle-related fatalities mean fewer organs to harvest for hospitals. 
I had never thought about this. It makes so much sense. People who think autonomous cars are the best thing since Amazon Prime say a world filled with interconnected autonomous vehicles will significantly reduce the number of traffic accidents and traffic deaths, okay? But they say this comes with an unintended consequence. Fewer organs will be available for hospitals for patients who need transplants. That's very interesting. This new report from Slate points out that hospitals around the country already are struggling with a shortage in the supply of transplantable organs. That's a hard one to say. That's a tough one. Uh, About 6,500 Americans die each year waiting for transplants, and the waiting list for organs nearly doubled in the past 20 years. I didn't know this, but they say that one in five organs used in transplants come from vehicle accidents. Uh, Many analysts suggest that autonomous vehicles will eventually prevent over half of the 35,000 deaths that occur on American roads each year. What is the timetable for that? Is that by 2050 or just eventually? Eventually. Okay. Uh, Yeah, eventually. Because I... I have my own feelings about the autonomous cars we'll talk about in in another episode because I I don't think they're going to be – the outlook of using these things is not as rosy as everybody paints. Absolutely. Obviously, preventing automobile deaths is a a good thing, right? It's a good thing to the people who otherwise would have been killed, but what are the waiting organ recipients going to do? Well, Slate suggests that lawmakers could re-legalize organ sales which were banned back in 1984. Now, a legal donation for compensation system, they say, could be set up for organs such as livers and kidneys. Those are the most transplanted or needed organs. Um, They say that a a payment system could be set up, like the one that people do for receipt when you get blood, plasma, right? Bone marrow, sperm, eggs, that sort of thing. You get paid for for those donations. So... So I misread this the first time. So it's not it's not the organ goes to the highest bidder. It's that you'll have organ banks that pay a fixed price to anybody who's willing to donate their kidney. Right. However, they would have to have specific legislation that keeps it from being the organ eBay. Right. Which is where there. your head – I mean that's where my head immediately jumped is, oh, it's organ eBay. I hope – Wow. I hope I get, I don't know, 80000 for my kidney. Well, I hope it's a legit kidney and not somebody who has type 2, you know what I mean? Like any yeah. of those things. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Uh, one idea that was floated is having a, the Department of Transportations around the country automatically enroll drivers in organ do- as an organ donor instead of um, uh, and, and make you opt out of it. So instead of you having to opt in, you're automatically enrolled, and then you have to check a box, let's say, at the DMV when you're renewing your driver's license, something like that, rather than opting into it. Um, Israel had success in increasing their organ supply by allowing people to move up on waiting lists if a family member decides to donate or, uh, an organ to uh, somebody. So that, that seems logical. Uh, it, it's kind of morbid. But it's the reality reality of life. It's very morbid, and I don't think it's something a lot of people want to talk about. But I, I, th- I think about the impact of legalizing organ sales. You know, just in terms of think of the people who are already having enough trouble with money, who are going to these refund advance places. Now they're selling half of the organs in their body just to make ends meet. Exactly. I mean, because yeah. you you can talk about eye, you know, eye parts of your eye. Your parts of your liver, obviously a kidney. You, you, you probably need both, or right. at least one of Well, the it's two. nice to have both, exactly. Um, you know, I don't know what else you can donate and get away with it, but I'm sure people would figure that out if this goes Yikes. through. Yeah. Hmm. Arguably, one of the ways to get donated organs is after a distracted driving crash fatality, right? Well, on January 1st, there's a new law that went into effect in California. You can now get a ticket there in California for just holding your phone while driving. 
Even if you pick up your phone to skip a song or look at Google Maps or try to skip ahead during this wonderful podcast, which you shouldn't do, you'll be risking a $20 fine. I, I faintly hear tens of people who listen. Uh, I'll risk it. Yep. The law, that wa- the law was created after a law school graduate fought a $165 ticket he received for checking the navigation app on his phone while he was driving. Now, this was back in 2012. He argued in court at that time that California, the law only prohibited making phone calls and texting while driving, and that if he had used a paper map instead of his, of his, uh, of his phone, that it would have been much more dangerous. The court overturned his conviction, but that led to lawmakers creating this new law that cracks down on the old loophole banning the use of a mobile device unless it's used in hands-free or voice operation mode only. So you're in the clear if the device is mounted on the dashboard or the windshield to help you navigate. But still, if you're trying to use it, the, I mean, it's. I think it comes down to enforcement, right? I right. mean, the ticket's not too much. It's just 20 bucks for the first time, 50 bucks for every ticket if you get caught after that. And the same deal goes for texting and driving. If you're caught uh, in California texting on the phone, while it's not in hands-free mode, it's $76 fine, and then fines are $190 after that, and that's all in California. Um, I imagine it would cut down on some distracted drivers, so that, it, that, that can be only a good thing, right? But... How often is it going to be enforced? I think you got to give some credit to California for really trying to take the lead on this issue and trying to get creative in the way they enforce it. Another thing that I've seen officers in California do is they'll get on the, these double-decker buses, and that gives them a better vantage point from which to see if people are texting and driving. And so as a result of that, they're, getting, they're writing more tickets because they're able to see these things, and drivers can't see them coming and try to put their phone away or whatever you do in that situation. And even here, uh, I've seen like down uh, on the south side of town – where they've had a pretend homeless guy begging for money that was really an officer, and he's just looking in the cars and watching what people are doing. And if they're texting or, or, or texting while they're driving, then he calls to the officer just up ahead and says, all right, it's a gray Corolla. I think if, if you have to pull them over, I think enforcement is still an issue because there's a lot of work to pull somebody over. Yeah. But. Uh, okay, remember a couple episodes back when we talked about how Colorado is testing out a road usage fee? to collect money above and beyond the state's gas tax, right? Because this could be another big issue for us as the legislature uh, convenes here in the next couple days. Now, here comes this story from Washington State. Headline, Washington State to test road use charge as alternate to gas tax. Yep, it's going there. The story says for years, experts have debated how more fuel-efficient cars will affect the multi-billion dollar revenue stream from Washington State's gasoline tax. Starting in 2017, we'll find out. Now, the Washington State Transportation Commission, they're gearing up for a one-year study to figure out ways to charge vehicle owners a tax based on the number of miles they drive within the state rather than on the amount of the gas they buy. Now, the state, Washington State, plans to seek out about 2,000 drivers next spring, or I guess this coming spring, uh, scattered across metro areas, rural areas of Washington to take part in the pilot project that will then eventually start this fall. You know, Colorado's already doing this. Washington State has received more than $3.8 million in federal funding to test this alternative method of funding the highways. Why don't they just put that money into the highways? That makes sense. The story says that the impetus for this test is the rise of electric cars, hybrids, other fuel-efficient vehicles, so you're not buying as much gas, not paying them uh, as much tax, that sort of thing. So this gas tax in Washington State was recently increased to 49.4 cents. Ours is 22 cents, and it's been that way since 93. I have a feeling we are going to see an increase in the gas tax 
if not this year, in the next couple of years. You're the canary in the coal mine, Jason. And it's, I, I think you're absolutely right. And it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah. The transportation executive director there says privacy concerns have not surfaced yet on the state collecting transmitted driving data, but it's a legitimate question, she added. That's the same thing we talked about when when we were discussing this back a couple episodes back. Right. Right now, California is conducting a similar set of data collection runs with 5,000 drivers which is scheduled to end in the spring of this year. Oregon also has a similar project underway with roughly 1,200 drivers. Hawaii is going to start a similar uh, program here to Washington's pilot program in the fall of 2017. So as uh, we continue, the cost of driving... Whether it's going to be driving miles, driving, buying gas, whatever, it's all going to be going up. I mean, my mom and my dad alternately had 45-minute commutes to and from work when I was younger. Imagine if they had had to pay based on miles versus gas tax. The number would have been astronomical. Um, We're going to shift to the mailbag right now. Tim from Littleton writes, what's driving you crazy? Most people do not know how to set their right side mirror. You tilt it all the way out so you can see the lane next to you, not your fender. You know what? Most car experts agree with you, Tim, but most drivers like to see the side of their cars in their side mirror. I am still that way, even though I know it's not the correct way to set your mirrors to see the side of your car. I still like it. I agree. Most people like it. I just talked to somebody the other day at a birthday party. They said they were uh, listening to uh, this story and said that they like to see the side of their car, but they're going to try it this way just to see how it works out. (laughs) Uh, I was reading a paper by the Society of Automotive Engineers. It might put some people to sleep, but they suggest the outside mirror should be adjusted so far outward that the viewing angle of the side mirrors just overlaps that of your cabin's rear view mirror. So it seems like it's really far out there. It's really actually uncomfortable when you start doing it that way. They say this can be disorienting for some drivers used to seeing the side of their own car in the side mirror, but the uh, that the automotive engineers say when when the mirrors side mirrors are correctly positioned. They they really negate the car's blind spots and eliminate the need to glance over your shoulders to safely change lanes. But they, they, they say really the only problem to it is getting used to it, like a lot of people like me. Mm-hmm. The automotive engineers write that the rearview mirror should be used to keep an eye on what's coming up from behind, while the side mirrors reflect the area outside the view of the inside rearview mirror. That is why they recommend the, recommend the angle to be so wide out there. They say drivers who have switched to the wide approach swear by it. However, some drivers just can't uh, adjust to not being able to see the side of their car. Um, AAA makes a suggestion to adjust the driver's side view mirror. All right, this, this is what they say. If you want to do it the right way... They say put your head against the left side window. All right, maybe not while you're driving. If you're listening say, to this while you're driving, pull over. <laughs> I can't wait to pull over. All right. So, so what they say is place your head against the left side window there, and then set the mirror so you can barely see the side of your car in the mirror's right side. Then, to adjust the passenger side view mirror, you position your head so that it's just above the center console. Okay, and then you set the mirror so you can barely see the side of the car in the left in, in that passenger side mirror, and that will give you the the proper position for both side mirrors so you can have a full view in the back there. Now, personally, I try to follow the guidelines. Maybe I'm not out as far as that, but I sure do miss seeing the side of my cars, uh, seeing the side of my car in the in the side mirror there. I, I it, like like you, I, I'm sure I, I, you. 
you like to see the side of your car. Yeah, I think it's more than that. I mean, I can't imagine a world in which I don't turn and look over my shoulder when I'm going into another lane just to make sure that there's not another car there. It's it's just a habit. I think a lot of it comes down to whatever you learned in driver's ed probably was ingrained in your head over a yeah. long period of time. Old habits are hard to break. It is a good habit. Yeah. But, I, you know, when you're looking at some – and then there's, the, like, the times where my wife will either use my car because – we have a lease on her car, and I bought my car. So uh, I use I let her use my car when she's coming downtown because there's so many miles that she's driving right. rather than using her car. So when, when vice versa, and if I'm driving her car when we have the whole family together, then I, I'm not adjusting, readjusting the side mirrors, but I, I guess I should. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people have been doing it the wrong way, and they keep it safe. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So that's about it for this episode. Thanks for listening. I'll be, uh, as they say, on assignment next week and unable to get to the studio or record a podcast. So, Joseph, feel free, in my absence, to take over. Take the old lady out for a spin. See what she can do. Just don't drive her into the side of a mountain or into a snowbank or into a steer at the stock show. You're going to come back and it's going to be the driving you crazy about the Colorado Avalanche podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can just take the week off as well and you can just hang out at the stock show. Uh, That's the thing. uh, That's the thing I'm going to miss the most is not, I haven't been over to the stock show yet at all. And that is one of my favorite things to do in Denver when it's here. So if you had to take somebody who, and we've only got a couple minutes here. If you had to take somebody to the stock show and they could only see one thing, where would it be? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, you got to go see the Hall of Education, okay? So that, 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 when you go to the Hall of Education, it's in the main building there, and that's where all these vendors come in. That's where they have all the, uh, uh, all the folks set up that are selling their wares. It is just fat. Now, that is a whole different world to go see how the ranchers live. It is fascinating. And then down, if you go downstairs under where that part is, then you can see all the, all the folks getting their cows ready and their other livestock ready for, especially all the, the cattle, ready for uh, their shows. So they're in there washing them. They have this whole big open, it's like a locker room for the, uh, like okay. a sports locker room open shower area that they have the cows in there and they're hosing them down, they're washing them, shampooing them, taking them out. They have the dryers. And they're making them look beautiful for their shows. Because okay. it's, it's a big deal. They sell these these animals for a lot of money. A lot of these kids raise these animals and then sell them and then actually use that money to go to college. Wow. Um, it, it, but it's fascinating. So if you can go over there to the stockyards, which is great, and go towards the Hall of Education uh, where you can see all that stuff that's going on, it's 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 well worth it. Good work. Well worth it. And, and, of course, there's all kinds of different activities down there and stuff, but it is so much fun to see all those animals and see how um, how those folks make a daily living. It's, it's, it's great. Fantastic. Anyway, thanks again for listening. We will be back again in a couple weeks with another edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast. Until then, I am Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber. I am Denver 7 overnight producer Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. Thanks for listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast.